Hear now a reading from Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. And hear now these words from Galatians. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. What a privilege and pleasure it is for me to be with you today. And looks like for once a month, for the next several months, that's going to be fun for me. I have long admired McLean Baptist Church. My membership is at Columbia in Falls Church, but uh, I know this church and I know so many of you uh, individually that uh, I feel right at home uh, coming to um, uh, be with you during these, these days, during your, your interim. Uh, and I pray that, that uh, God will lead the appropriate person to lead you on a permanent basis uh, in his good time. Yes, we are urged by the prophet in Isaiah 51 to look into the rock from which we are hewn and the quarry from which we are dug. The writer's rather colorful way of saying, look to your past and those from whom you come, those rock-solid ancestors like Abraham and Sarah who went before you and showed you the way. The writer of Hebrews in the New Testament does the same thing, referring to these folks as a cloud of witnesses. Now, I'm originally from uh, Tampa, Florida, just dubbed appropriately the lightning capital of the world. Now you know where the hockey team gets its nickname. Go Caps, by the way. And I remember well, as, as, a, as a young youngster, uh, those big, black, boisterous thunderheads rolling in from the Gulf of Mexico in the summertime nearly every day, accompanied by a frightful display of lightning. So it's hard for me to think of, of our forebearers sitting up there in those, in those awful clouds. No, I like a lot better a metaphor that uh, a Baptist preacher, Carlisle Marney, a couple, a couple generations ago, uh, uh, he, he came up with the idea of balcony people. Balcony people. Exemplars, role models, heroes who, from the lofty perch on the balcony of our lives, watch over us and encourage us, teach us and lift us up to greater heights. And those of you who are actually sitting in the balcony this morning, I hope you don't mind being an object lesson. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, goodness. No. 
how, how important it is to look to the heroes of the Christian faith and our Baptist heritage, whether we call them the rocks from which we are chipped off or a great cloud of witnesses or balcony people. And this is particularly important when it comes to our Baptist heritage of freedom. What, with some today questioning the very idea of soul freedom, that God infused the liberty of conscience that he gives to, to all of us, and others repudiating, or trying to anyway, altogether, the separation of church and state. And if we are to be able to stand firm in our conviction that, that freedom is fundamental, and not submit again to that yoke of slavery that Paul condemned in Galatians 5, we need to take an occasional look up on that balcony And that's what I aim to do this morning for a few minutes. From jail cells in England to stockades in Massachusetts Bay to whipping posts right here in Virginia, Baptists suffered and paid the price for religious liberty. You know, along with believers' baptism, there was nothing more important to our Baptist forebears than than soul freedom and religious liberty and the separation of church and state And we honor our Baptist heroes and preserve these distinctives by telling and retelling their stories over and over again. I see up there on that balcony one Thomas Helwes. After establishing the first Baptist church on on English soil, Helwes authored a cutting-edge treatise on religious liberty called A Short Declaration on the Mystery of Iniquity in 1612 and sent a copy of it off to King James I, the man whose name appears in some of your Bibles. And in his inscription, he wrote the audacious words that, that you, king, are a mortal man, not God and have no power over the immortal souls of your subjects. Well, for his trouble, Helwes and his wife, Joan, were thrown into jail in Newgate Prison there in London, where they languished and eventually perished. I think of a young, rough-and-tumble Puritan preacher who migrated from England to Massachusetts in 1631. Roger Williams, often called the Apostle of Religious Liberty, insisted that faith could not be dictated by any any church or governmental authority, but must be nurtured freely and expressed directly to God without any human interference. And Williams advocated a, quote, hedge or wall of separation between the garden of the church and the wilderness of the world, end quote, coining that wall metaphor more than 150 years before Thomas Jefferson wrote about it, in his famous letter to the Danbury, Connecticut Baptist Association in 1802. Well, the Puritan theocrats in Massachusetts were were not amused by this kind of crazy talk. You know, they had come to these shores for religious liberty, but what they got for themselves, they turned around and denied to everybody else, including the Baptist. So they kicked Roger Williams out of the colony and slogging through, through snow and surviving the, the frigid New England winter only with the help of the Narragansett Indians, he settled in what would become Rhode Island and founded a town that he called Providence because he judged that God's providence had taken him to that very spot. And Williams began what he liked to call the lively experiment of religious liberty, and established the first Baptist church on North American soil. 
still a going congregation in Providence there at the foot of the hill from Brown University, First Baptist in America. I can see up there in, on the balcony Elder John Leland, an evangelist from Massachusetts who preached in Virginia during that heady decade of the 1780s, boldly advocating for religious liberty and the separation of church and state. Leland reminded us that, quote, the fondness of magistrates to foster Christianity has caused it more harm than all the persecutions ever did. Persecution is like a lion. It tears the saints to death, but it leaves Christianity pure. State-established religion, though, is like a bear. It hugs the saints, but it corrupts Christianity, end quote. And Leland played a pivotal role in convincing James Madison of the need for spelled-out constitutional protections, protecting provisions protecting religious liberty. You know, Madison was a candidate for the convention called to ratify the new constitution. John Leland was thinking about running against him. But tradition reports that one day in the shade of a great oak tree just outside of Orange, Virginia, Madison and Leland met and cut a deal. Leland agreed not to run if Madison would promise to pursue a bill of rights containing a guarantee for religious liberty. Two years later, the Bill of Rights was adopted, and the first 16 words say, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. I also think about 20th century Baptist heroes like George W. Truett, pastor at First Baptist Dallas for some 50 years. And to an estimated crowd of, of, of some 10,000 on the east steps of, of our nation's capital, 98 years ago, in 1920, Truett pre preached his eloquent sermon titled Baptist and Religious Liberty. And in that sermon, he delivered a, 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 a powerful defense of and justification for religious liberty in the church state, uh, the, the separation of church and state. And he said this, Baptists have one consistent record concerning liberty throughout all their long and eventful history. They've never been party to oppression of conscience. They have forever been the unwavering champions of, both, of liberty, both religious and civil. Their contention now is and has been and must forever be that it is the natural and fundamental right of every human being to worship God or not according to the dictates of conscience. And as long as this does not infringe upon the rights of others, they are to be held accountable alone to God for all religious beliefs and practices. I wonder if any of the members of this fledgling church attended the sermon on the Capitol steps. What's my math? You were, what, four years old, five years old? But I just, that would have been wonderful. And we cannot help but spy upon that collective balcony, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., perhaps the most prophetic voice in Baptist and American life, of the late 20th century. 
King understood that the separation of church and state by no means divorces religious ethics from public life or mutes religion's prophetic witness in society. Indeed, in a 1963 sermon, he proclaimed, The church is not the master of the state, nor the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state, but never its tool. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. Now, King was never willing to squander that authority by relying on Caesar to do Christ's work. Ambassador Andy Young recounts the story of Robert Kennedy trying his best to give King some federal money to pay for a voter registration project. King respectfully declined, fearing the consequences of, of an all-too-close entanglement with, with government, even for a good project. He instead set up an independent voter registration project separate and apart from the Southern Christian Leadership Conference to work with government on that all-important enterprise. No, King would not, would not barter his spiritual authority for a mess of government money. Well, this church has balcony people too. You've been a, a shining star in Baptist life over a century, plus two years, here in Northern Virginia. You know better than I who all those folks are, but I suspect they include the likes of Tom Jackson and Michael Catlett, who served for almost a half a century, a half of your life as your pastors, give or take a year or two. Yeah, our balcony people can be still living, you know. And for me, Beth Eccles is a balcony person extraordinaire, sitting back. Good morning, Beth. I think you all know her story, or some of it. She started out as a campus minister uh, and uh, in international student work in Kentucky, and then went to, to Louisiana to labor in the civil rights movement, standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with the likes of the White uh, Christian Council uh, at much risk to her well-being and safety. And then she came to D.C. where she served at the Baptist Joint Committee long before I even knew there was a Baptist Joint Committee, where she covered Congress and the U.S. Supreme Court in the 1960s and 70s, dealing with those, those naughty issues of, of school prayer and government aid to parochial schools. And if you don't know her story, uh, go, go online and, and look up the Baptist Joint Committee's podcast library, and there's a wonderful podcast there uh, with an interview of, of, um, uh, of Beth uh, from what, a couple of years ago, I think. And I can't help but, but mention another balcony person whom I see, Chet Edwards uh, and Leanne. Thank you so much for coming. Chet Edwards, the Honorable Chet Edwards, who staked his 20-plus year 
political career in the U.S. House of Representatives, uh, standing up for these all important issues time after time after time without variation, without compromise, uh, was the go-to person for the Baptist Joint Committee during my time there uh, on, on, uh, on these issues. Uh, th thank you, Chet. I appreciate all that, all that you've done to, to, um, to uh, um, bring into fruition these ideas that we're talking about. And finally, whether it's in this church or throughout the land, we pause today and tomorrow, really, to remember those brave souls up on our balcony that paid the ultimate price while safeguarding our freedom as American citizens. Yes, most of them march into history anonymously without any special accolade, but we must always remember their service, even, even collectively and anonymously, uh, because it's so important what they did for who we are and the freedoms that we continue to enjoy. So Helwes, Williams, Leland, Truett, King, and the saints here at McLean Baptist and more, what a balcony we all enjoy. But you know what? We, we can't stop there. Looking over our shoulders to, to the past, because we are or shall be balcony people for our children, our grandchildren, and beyond. We have a solemn duty to pay it forward. On the religious liberty front, the, the challenges today are rampant. But we have Jennifer Hawks and the Baptist Joint Committee staff to carry the fight forward with expertise and verve. And you know what I found out today? I didn't realize this, that, that Meg is a Baptist General Association of Virginia representative now to the Baptist Joint Committee Board, and, will, and it will be serving starting in, in this uh, fall. And uh, there's another connection that, that I applaud and, and celebrate between McLean Baptist uh, and, and the Baptist Joint Committee. And yes, our politics are poisonous with polarized passion and unabashed lie-telling every day of the week. And it's no hyperbole to, to fret over the demise of our democratic institutions and political ethos. But liberal Catholic E.J. Dion and conservative evangelical Michael Gerson rail against the flaky fakery of, our of many of our leaders and encourage me at least, and I hope you, on the pages of the Washington Post's op-ed section every week. And yes, in Baptist life, we have some, mostly Baptists south of God, including the recently fired president of the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, who still count women as second-class citizens in God's economy and who would never countenance Meg and Katie's in, in, invaluable ministry here among us, or for that matter, Jennifer Hawk's ordination here a couple of months ago. And 
And we could name a dozen more without any trouble, examples of what I'm talking about. In our denomination, in our culture, in our politics. For sure, our challenges today are daunting, but no more so than those our forebears fought and won over the centuries, four centuries for us Baptists. And I'm confident that, that we can preserve our heritage of, of freedom and, and, and continue on to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ from this place to the world with integrity and a winsome spirit. And God willing to climb up on that balcony, joining these folks already there, to inspire and to lift up the generations to come. Amen and amen.